Hello, welcome to the Knowledge Share with Dr. Dave podcast. This is your facilitator, Dr. Dave Cornelius. Knowledge Share with Dr. Dave is streamed on grokshare.com and broadcasted on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. I want to encourage everyone to find their awesomeness. It is a choice. Let's begin your learning experience to achieve your awesomeness. You know, tell us about your role in Agile Fluency, in the Agile Fluency model. Okay. I mean, what is, yeah. Well, um, so I'm a co-creator, co-developer of the model. Uh, James Shore and I, a number of years ago, um, were noticing that it seemed like our experience of Agile with our clients was not the same as what other people were experiencing. I mean, there was an awful lot of conversation about you're agile or you're not. And I mean, it was very binary, very black and white. And that just wasn't the way we were working with clients. And it wasn't what we were seeing in terms of outcomes, successful outcomes with clients. It needed to be much more nuanced than that. And, and we started, we also were noticing that Clients in different industries, different domains, um, had, a, had different needs. And so we started working on defining those and um, iterated on that by taking it to our local Agile Open conference year after year and, and going away and doing some work on it and asking for reviews from some um, other folks that we respected their perspective and thought they could give us good feedback. And after about three or four years, we had the model and our thinking about the model uh, to a place where when we talked about it to people, they said, yeah, that, that fit for them too, that that's what mm. they were experiencing. So then we took some time and wrote it up into an article and sent that around to a bunch of folks. So we did a lot of research and iterating on this and um, sent that out to a bunch of folks. And uh, one of the folks that we sent it to was Martin Fowler. And we asked for feedback, you know, did, did this, did how we had written about it still describe, you know, what we had told them it was before. And then also if they thought it was, did they think it was, ready for publishing. And if they did, where should we think about finding a place to publish it? And Martin Fowler came back to us and said, uh, well, I think it's ready and I'd like to publish it. <laughs> <laughs> and so that, you know, we did not feel like turning that down. That seemed like a pretty good opportunity to us. Yeah. He has a broad readership in his on his uh, online presence. And so, um, so we worked with him to get it up in time for the 2012 Agile Conference. And, and then we thought we were done with it uh, pretty much. And, but we started after several months, we started hearing about some stories about how people were using the model. And, and then we also started getting some questions about well, this is great and this model makes a lot of sense, but how do we operationalize it? How do we yeah. actually use it to help improve our companies and so on? 
So then we started creating some additional materials uh, to kind of go with the model to help people answer those questions. And after a couple of years, it became clear that what we needed to do was form an organization around it. So we formed the Agile Fluency Project um, as, a, as a startup business, basically. And, and, then, um, and then because we had been hearing from so many people and, and using it as our own thought process when we went into clients, um, a little more than a year ago, about a year and a half ago, we looked at the article and said, you know, we've learned a lot since we wrote this in 2012, it's time to uh, add what we've learned. And so we did that and we published a second edition basically of the, of the article, the white paper in March of 20, 2018. So um, at the moment, my role with the Agile Fluency Model and the Agile Fluency Project is a co-creator and I'm co-founder of the product mm -hmm. project along with uh, James. And, um, and I'm kind of, my title, my official title is Chief Connector. Uh, but basically I'm, you know, main cook and bottle washer, <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> what have you, uh, yeah. uh, kind of keeping things going. But we, uh, now we provide a lot of materials um, and to, what we're doing is taking all the things that James and I have learned through our careers about how to be an effective coach and, and how to not so much coaching skills, but how do you get the opportunity to use your coaching skills? How hmm. do you talk with leaders, um, use the agile fluency model as a way of helping them clarify what their needs are for Agile and or for their Agile adoptions or their Agile transitions. What is it they're really trying to accomplish through that? And then help them understand what does that mean in terms of what kind of Agile are they, you know, what, 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 let, what zone of Agile fluency is the way we've, we describe it now. What zone of Agile fluency do they need their teams to have the proficiencies for? And uh, so that they can be smart about the investments that they make. Um, and so they have some guidance around that. And they're not just going with somebody's program because it's already set and, you know, predetermined, oh, we're going to do this, that, these steps and that, this, that, and the other thing. It's like, no, it needs to be more customized than that because different businesses have different needs and, and they've made some progress in some areas and not progress in others. And they don't want to redo all of that. And because um, that's not a smart, smart way to spend their investment dollars or their investment of time or attention or any of those things. So what that's what we do is we help coaches learn how to have those conversations with leaders uh, use our diagnostic instrument to help leaders understand where they are now uh, in their adoption and, you know, kind of identify what would be the smartest next investments to make to keep moving them toward where they, they believe they need to be. And, and then we think that the coaches all know what to do at that point. But where coaches often get stuck is they don't get the opportunities 
to bring to bear some of the things that they know would help teams. And by using the agile fluency model and our diagnostic and reporting and, and investment planning, that it gives them more of a, a, a place to stand to say, well, no, we're going to do these next things because these next things are going to move you closer to what you're looking for because you've told us that here. And, and we now have a, an idea of where we are. So that's what I'm doing with the Agile Fluency model right now is, is helping, uh, our, our vision is uh, Agile done well in every organization that says it does Agile and that they have teams that help them meet their business needs in the way they need them to, to be met. So um, if it's just Jim and me working on that, we're not making much progress. We don't scale very well. But uh, by enabling other coaches to use some of these same materials and get some mentoring from us in terms of, you know, what our careers have been like. I mean, both Jim and I have, you know, decades of experience doing this. And so we have some, some, some interesting thoughts to offer folks yeah. <laughs> who, who would like to do similar kinds of work. Yeah. Which is just fabulous. I really enjoyed playing with the instrument, the, the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we had great fun doing it. So, yeah. you know, thank you for, for doing that. Yeah. It's really important work. Um, so I want to talk to you about value because people yeah. often use the term value when speaking about delivering business capabilities through yeah. software. You know, two-part question is, yeah. first of all, how do you define value? Right. And then I want you to give us a sense of uh, help us gain a sense of value provided by the Agile fluency model. I know you kind of okay. talked about it before, but yeah. if we could narrow the context about value, that would be sure. amazing. Yeah. yeah. The, um, well, I think it's kind of, um, there's, there's a couple of different kinds of value. I mean, it's, 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 it's too bad we only have one word to talk about a lot of different things, right? Yeah. And so there's one piece that is value to the customer businesses yes. are sensitive to their customers needs they want to be giving them what they want so that those customers will pay for services and products and so there's the value around the sort of the, the value stream going to the customer what you know is are we getting closer and closer uh, as time goes by to building the thing that the customer really wants and will accept from us and pay for from us and so on. Whether that's an internal customer or an external customer. Mm -hmm. um, if, we're, if we're in IT and we're building infrastructure kinds of things, still we have customers who have a need for that and so on. So there's that kind of value. Um, then there's also value, business value, value to the business. And that is, is it enabling the uh, things that enable the business to thrive and be resilient and sustain over time and, and those kinds of things. So wise use, uh, like we talk about investments, so wise use of the assets that the, that the business has so that, so that they are getting a... Um, a return on, on the uh, things that they invest in, they are getting a return that is greater that enables them to take on new things, right? 
So, I mean, it's very, that's very generic, but it, yeah. it's so specific to different, different companies and different businesses, but there is that. And so, you know, value, I think in the business sense is very much tied to strategic direction mm -hmm. is, you know, are we, is this thing providing us value because it's moving us more toward our strategic direction, our, um, our, our targets in, in the in, in improvement kata kind of sense. Are we, right. you know, is this, is this moving us in the direction that we want to go that gives greater value to the business, um, whether that's strategically or, or whatever. Uh, are we trying to, is there a value, is there a value that we're after that has to do with entering new markets? Is there, you know, value to bringing us closer to our existing customers? Is there, is there value in um, helping us be more effective or efficient in, in what right. we're doing? All of those things are business value. Uh, we tend to talk about it in the Agile Fluency model community. We tend to talk about it as business benefits. Is the value is the benefits that the business wants to gain from supporting their teams and investing in their teams and so on. Um, so those are really two different kinds. And then, you know, then there's the value, the product management value that is around um, which things do we prioritize over other things, you know, which mm -hmm. has some sense of this is more valuable than that, at least at this moment in time. I mean, you start, adding in things like cost of delay and so on. And it begins to get you closer to that. What I'm surprised about is how often I go into organizations and they don't have an idea of what is valuable to their business or mm -hmm. what is valuable or they may have a more or less good idea of what's valuable to their customers. And so they may just focus on that or value to their, I mean, there's been the old, the old saw that's now kind of considered out of date is, you know, are we building shareholder value, right? right? In other words, are we eating ourselves alive to pay quarterly dividends, you know, which now is universal, it's pretty universally accepted as not a good idea. Um, but you know, those kinds of things. I mean, where, what are our, what are we doing to take our current um, assets? I, I hate to think of them that way, but the current, the current things that are helping us do well, how are we investing in those things so that we can do even better is another way of thinking about value. Yeah. So there's, there's a number of ways to kind of come at that question and, um, and I find that in many companies, they're not doing any of them. Right. <laughs> they're not coming at it from any of those directions. And it's just like, you know, I just want to say pick one, you know, anyone. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. would be closer than where you are now, right? Yeah. 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 And then so when we use the model, uh, you know, yeah. how does the model help us to pick one or maybe influence us in one direction over the other? Well, I think because we do use that idea of, of uh, business benefit tied to each mm -hmm. zone. Uh, what are the benefits that you're getting? It begins to help people think through that. It's a very, you know, it's a tricky problem. And so, you know, what, what is the nature of the product that we're building? And 
you know, what kinds of things are important to our customers. And as we begin having those conversations, we can think, say things like, um, you know, is it, is it, is it important? I, I think a really um, easy one to think about is the difference between the focusing zone and the delivering zone, right? Okay. So in the focusing zone, we know what we need there is people to work as a collaborative team. They need to be, it's, it, it usually is very appealing to uh, business leaders where their software development efforts have just been a black box to them. They don't know what's going on there. They don't know how to ask the right questions. So the idea of the team becoming a, a collaborative work unit that has some transparency, um, that is learning to work not from technical excellence, I mean, not from uh, component excellence, mm -hmm. but from customer value, you know, what, what is going to best serve our customers or, or our business and then be able to work with that business liaison person to make sure that what we're building is always the next most valuable thing. Um, that's getting really good at those things, being able to be, when we get new market information, having built in small enough increments that if we get new market information that tells us we need to shift direction, we could do that without having generated a lot of waste or yeah. wasted work, right? So that whole piece in itself is valuable. And I have run into many organizations who had gone months, sometimes even extreme cases, years without anything being produced that could be put together into a product and create value for the business because everybody's been working on just individual components. So we've got all these components built, but they don't necessarily integrate into one product and they, you know, all that. Um, so for companies like that, that are just are really looking for reliable production that is relatively transparent to the business, focusing zone is great and mm -hmm. and you know particularly for um uh, companies where or short-term products that aren't going to stay in the market for a long time we're not so worried about technical debt or um you know those kinds of things just that focusing zone can be really helpful um but if we have an existing product that we are trying to maintain that our customers already love, but are expecting to get better over time to keep being improved and they are in a fast paced world for them to keep up, then delivering zone where we're now looking at release at will and continuous integration, continuous deployment, putting things into the hands of our customers more frequently um, that they can use that ha are very low defect that requires not only all those sort of team and business connection skills from focusing zone, but also very high level technical engineering skills so that uh, the team knows how to work together 
sharing coding standards and working with their DevOps partners and, and all of those kinds of things. So, so the value has to do with what is the nature of our product? Is our product one where we need to be delivering this continuous stream of new stuff? Or is our product more one that if we can get something into somebody's hands that they like and can give us some feedback on, that's a huge win. You know, two different kinds of value and two different kinds of uh, desired business outcomes. And so that's, that's what we think about in the agile fluency model is what is it that this particular business really needs from their teams and from their products. And what does that mean about the skill sets that the team, the team as a whole, individual team members and the whole team need to be able to draw on to make that happen. And then that gives us some hints about where we need to make our investments so that our investments are going very targeted to the right place that'll give us what we need from our team. Most excellent. So as part of the great conversation that's taken place today is about business agility. Everyone yes. is talking about business yes. agility. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to tap into your context about what it is and how does the model itself, the fluency model, help to either increase or influence, you know, business agility based on your definition. Right. Well, so I, business agility is the, the ability for um, uh, Joshua Karevsky lately has been talking about quick, easy grace, right? And so for a business to be, to ride the waves of customer desire, right? And, mm -hmm. and customer service and or serving our customers in the way they want. Um, in a in a way that is resilient to all the changes in our economic environment, our marketplace environment, and you know, in a way that lets the business thrive and and serve its employees and its community and its customers. So, so the idea is the um, I'm a <laughs> I'm a child of the '60s, and so uh, there were a, a, a group of folks. Um, it, that I used to hang out with when I was a teenager and a young adult. And one of our kind of watch phrases was, well, you just have to roll with it, right? <laughs> so yeah, you gotta yeah. be able to roll with it, right? And, and that really is the nature of our business marketplace now. Do, do we have the flexibility, the quick, easy grace, the versatility to roll with it? And to roll with whatever comes our direction, changes in our customer, customer ideas, changes in the regulatory environment, whatever those may be, can we respond even, and even anticipate those changes and, and continue to kind of roll with it, keep, keep going, keep moving along. Um, Harrison Owen used to call it wave riding, you know, yeah. Just yeah. In that. so uh, for me, that's business agility and the way uh, the agile fluency model fits with that. I mean, the agile fluency model is a model about team skill proficiencies, team behaviors that, and that's what we're 
describing in our model. These, these certain kinds of team behaviors that generate certain kinds of business benefits, right? Given that, it's, it's a model with enormous organizational and management implications. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. You can't just point at the teams and say, be different. We live in systems. And one of the things we know about systems is anytime we make changes in one part of the system, it is going yeah. to affect the other part of the system, other parts of the system in some ways, often unexpected, often emergent over time. Yeah. Um, and so being able to do that, to be able to make the adjustments that it, to inspect and adapt at the business level and understand what that means for what we need from our teams and then manage and organize ourselves to do business in a way that allows us to roll with those changes is for me, what really is business agility. Most it's excellent. The responsiveness. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so since the fluency model is so um, ingrained with, with teams and team behaviors, yeah. Yeah. You know, we talk about happiness in the work environment today, right? Right. Um, which is something kind of it's relatively new, I, I would say, because before most people didn't care about happiness, just get the job done, right? Yeah, right. Right. So uh, how do we leverage the, the fluency model to either identify or promote happiness in team members? Right. Well, the fundamental uh, what we call agile fundamentals or the agile basics uh, is that focusing zone in the fluency model. Yeah. And it's the thing that uh, you're either going for the focusing going zone or you're going for something that includes those skills of the focusing zone. It's embedded in the whole model. And those are the skills at becoming effective together as a team. Yeah. And when people have that to have that sense of effectiveness of building good products. I mean, it's very tied to um, the project Aristotle ideas of yeah. uh, psychological safety and dependability and having structure and clarity around what we're working on. And, you know, those, those five keys that they talk about when yeah. we have that for our teams, they tend to have much higher job satisfaction. I, I tend not to think so much about happiness because that has certain connotations for certain people, but mm -hmm. I believe that people deserve job satisfaction. They need to be pleased with their work. They need to have that yeah. sense of accomplishment. They need to have that sense of, um, control over their work lives as, as a team. And that's the, the autonomy that Dan yeah. takes about. And that's true at the individual level, but it's also true of the team level. Does this team, and when we think about self-organizing teams, we start begun to talk about autonomous teams, right? right? Teams that are able to make decisions together to move forward together and that feel they have um, the mastery and the skills that they need. That's what fluency is about, right? We've, yeah. got the, we've got the right skills that match the work that we need to do, or, or our company is willing to invest in us gaining those skills. When you've got all that together, you have high levels of job satisfaction. And, um, and so I, I really think that the Agile Fluency model is a lot about that. Uh, 
creating teams that have really good, meaningful work together and, and, and the sense that they can work well enough together that they have a positive impact in the world. And that becomes really important. And that, you know, we, the agile fluency model doesn't talk about software ethics, but I think that's, that's another conversation that's starting oh. to rise a lot in our industry is, you know, do I feel good about my work? Does it feel like ethical work to do? Yeah. Uh, you know, are, are, am I really serving everyone? So those kinds of things. But I, 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 I think the agile fluency model speaks to that happiness, job satisfaction question indirectly, but mm -hmm. it's definitely embedded there. And it definitely is an outcome when people have invested in their teams to do, to, to create work that feels like success and achievement, people tend to feel better about the work that they do and they're working. Yeah, most, yeah. yeah most definitely. And yeah. so something you started off with earlier about business benefits and yeah. so we talk about customer uh, cu um, satisfied customers. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking about how does the fluency model also identify a path to delighting customers as well. Cause I, I think that's another significant yeah. aspect for companies as they right. grow or even individuals. Right. Um, how do you start satisfying our customers and then using that this fluency model to get there? Right. Well, the, the, the idea of the fluency model is to bring the team closer to their customers ah. and at, with every, every zone um, has a different, uh, way of being close to the customer. Whereas what in our zone, we have a little area we call pre-agile, mm. which is when people are not working as a team, they're still individual contributors. They're getting their tasks assigned by their managers. Uh, they're working in isolation. Maybe they do some pairing, but they're not pairing all the time. And, you know, and there are still a lot of companies that have that as their work process model. Um, those folks tend to end up building in a componentized kind of way. I only work on the back end. I only work on the front end. I only work on the database connections. I only work on, you know, whatever it might be. And, and rather than thinking about the whole product or the yeah. whole that is, that is needed and that shift to, um, to the flute focusing zone is very much about a shift from working in that way in terms of, oh, I, I, you know, I build this kind of thing and I build it in a very cool way and I get to use a language that I particularly like, programming language I particularly like, to now uh, I'm working with my teammates and we are building each thing we build we have a connection that tells us this is something that's important to our customer. This, this is a whole piece that will enable our customer, this feature, this, or part of a feature will enable our customer to do something they weren't able to do before. And so they have in the focusing zone, they have that communication through some kind of business liaison in Scrum. That would be a product owner, uh, yeah. and other, you know, could be different, um, 
business analysts sometimes, even quality folks will be giving that information about what does the customer like about this? What don't they like about this? So there's more awareness of the right. customer there. Then in the delivering zone, it's not only awareness of things the customer wants their, this product to do, but there's an awareness of, and how often do they need to get it? How often do they need it updated? How, you know, there's more of a cadence. We learn more about our customer because we now we know not only what they want, but how often do they want it? And, and how important is the main, long-term maintainability and sustainability of this through uh, UX and DevOps and you know, the other partners that come into play in delivering. And then in the optimizing zone, the team is taking on the whole product. And now they really need to understand their customer. Not only do they need to understand their customer's current needs, they need to understand their customer well enough to be able to anticipate how new technologies might be useful to this customer in ways the customer hasn't even thought about yet. But we yeah. understand the nature of their situation and their problems well enough that we can that we can see uh, that you know this could be helpful and we can begin to start talking to them about that and building that into the product even before they're asking for it so it's an increasing closeness to the customer um, and an increasing bringing that business perspective into the team as you go through the zones so um, you know, by the time you get to optimizing who the business person, whether that's a product management, a product development, a marketing person, whoever that might be, is actually right in the team all the time. And um, as opposed to coming in and out and bringing information, which is useful for folk in the focusing zone, but yeah. we just keep getting closer and closer. So that's, that's how the customer fits. Um, one of our, um, one of our licensed facilitators and, and dear friend and colleagues, Ellen Gottesdiener, of course, has done a ton of work in wow. uh, Discover to Deliver is her book and the, you know, all of the product management stuff. And she's actually um, begun to do, so I'm not exactly sure what the status of it is right now, but she has begun to do some work on a product management or product development fluency model. Mm. Um, because we see that there is a parallel path, but, but we don't know exactly how to describe it yet. So she's been working on that because it is so important. Um, yeah. you know, customer collaboration over contract negotiations right out of the midst, uh, you know, a quarter of the manifesto, um, it's right. right there, you know? And so, uh, anytime we're talking about agile adoption or using agile practices, we're, we are have to keep in mind we are also talking about what is our degree of closeness to our customer and how do we make it tighter yeah certainly so one thing one good thing that agile does it it, it, it promises you know faster time to market which can right. allow an organization to thrive against yeah. competitors so, so what, when i think of the fluency model and then all the different zones i think of you know how does it position the organization to experience or even realize growth? 
Yeah. Right. Because if we're moving things faster to market, there's an yeah. opportunity to acquire new customers or even retain the, the customers right. that we have. Right. Um, I'm just looking to see how the, the fluency model helps to, you know, shape that a little bit or influence it in some yeah. way. Yeah. Well, in in a little bit um, in some organizations, the way they have been thinking. I mean, the model is a team model, and so we're thinking about basically individual team fluency as we're going along. And um, of course, every, you know, as organizations get larger, they have many teams and yeah. they're doing different things. And so I've talked to a number of folks who have said in our organization, we have focusing teams and they work mostly on, you know, they work with our marketing department or on short term initiatives that we need to get out in the, to the, uh, the public awareness or whatever that might be. Um, mm -hmm. and, and they do quick turnaround kinds of things. And, uh, and then we have delivering zones that are de uh, delivering teams that, uh, delivering zone teams, I guess, that, um, work on our flagship, continually improving our flagship product as our customers tell us, you know, what the next thing they would like to get is and how, how quickly they need it and, and those kinds of things. And then those organizations will often have some optimizing zone teams that are doing their R&D, that are out there testing the boundaries, that are, are looking for new product opportunities or new customer areas, or how can we use this product to, uh, to serve those folks in a different kind of way. And, um, and, and those, are, those are tight teams that need all the different skill sets in them to be able to ideate in a good way. And maybe they're, maybe they're using design sprints or design thinking kinds of mm -hmm. practices to help them do that and, and continually getting that, creating those very, very tight feedback loops, testing their ideas. So um, there are a number of organizations that we've worked with that will have teams, will identify that they have teams, they need teams in more than one zone. And, and that helps them understand, you know, what investments they need to make. And so that, that works really well. And so rather than thinking in the early days, we used to get people asking us, oh, well, is this a delivering organization? Right. And we always had to correct them and say, no, 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 that this is not a model of organizations. It may have some resonance with other organizational models you've heard of, but this is about team behaviors and, okay. and organizations may need a variety of team behaviors to get, to get their work done, to, to serve their customers. Yeah. Oh, wow. This is, this is really excellent. You know, and walking through the context of value to, yeah. you know, happy contributing people, satisfied right. customers and, yeah. and thriving business. I, I, I think this, gives us a, a good context of how the model can be used, yeah. you know, from a yeah. team perspective and how those teams could influence change and add yeah. value to the organization. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I really, really appreciate the, the context that you've provided for us today. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. yeah. Anything else you would like to add before we uh, close? Um, 
No, I don't think so. I think we've kind of covered that. It's late in the day here, so I'm yeah, sorry. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's been I a long understand. day. I, you know, my, uh, uh, but I, I do think you know that this. I mean, well, you mentioned earlier the game, and yeah. it's, and it's been fun to see how playing the game um, with organizational leader, the agile fluency game, with organizational yeah. leaders, uh, with intact teams, do, how using that game with um, people in different contexts, it's, it's been really interesting to see how the uh, experience of that shifts and, and okay. the different, and each group comes away with different kinds of lessons from playing the mm. same game, which has yeah. really been really quite fascinating. Leaders have a, a different awareness of their expectations for software teams and oftentimes a, a, a better vocabulary for talking mm -hmm. to teams about what they're doing. Um, intact teams really dive in around, uh, oh, you know, what are we doing to build our capability and, and increase our capacity? Um, and so they're focusing more in that area. Coaches, coaches uh, often have the experience of trying to do too much too soon mm. and learning that they need to be more moderate in how they, in the game, the investments that they're making that, that they need to focus on the flow of those investments more than trying to do everything all at once. Yeah. And uh, so there's some really, it's been very interesting to see how different folks get different lessons from playing that game. Yeah. I really had a lot of fun playing it, I could tell yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah I think it's great. I really enjoyed yeah. it too. I was just at a conference where we had um, 10 teams of five people all playing the game at the same time. So that oh, was wow. fun. Yeah. Oh, Love to see pictures of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Diana, I know it's getting late. And, yeah. um, so I just want to thank you graciously and, and wish you an, an amazing holiday. And when I'm in Portland, I hope we can get some time together. You know, yeah. So just thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. You're and welcome. Effort. It's been my pleasure. Yeah. Okay. You have a great day now. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Yeah. Hello, this is Dr. Dave Cornelius again. Thank you for listening. We hope you were able to add to your awesomeness journey with this learning experience to obtain new knowledge. We are grateful to those who support us. We would like to thank our sponsor, Knowshare, for the continued support for this podcast. Visit www.knowshare.org to achieve your awesomeness through agile coaching and training, digital transformation strategy, agile organization development, lean business startup, and diversity, equity, and inclusion coaching. Nalsher.org also provides online workshops for PDUs and SEUs to help you maintain your existing professional development certification and achieve new ones. We support lean thinking and agile life skills education through the Five Saturdays Agile Education Program. Visit www.the5saturdays.org to donate your time, money, and knowledge. That's www.5saturdays.org. Check out Dr. Dave's latest book, Prayers to My Abba Father God, on Amazon.com. 
a focus on prayer to enable spiritual growth. You will also find his books, Elastic Minds, What Are You Thinking? and Transforming Your Leadership Character, The Lean Thinking and Agility Way on Amazon.com. Look for the Knowledge Share with Dr. Day podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. The Knowledge Share with Dr. Day podcast is streamed on grokshare.com. If you have any questions for Dr. Dave, reach out on Twitter at Dr. Cornelius Info or at Nalshare. Copyright 2019 Nalshare. Until next time, find your awesomeness. <laughs>